where are you from? I know you're from the South. Mobile, Alabama is home, um, but been all over Texas, then North Carolina, then out here. I was thinking North Carolina. That must have been Carolina right before here, right? Yep. I was in Asheville um, at a really good church. And then prior to that at Hickory um, at a not so terrible church. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so I guess good- that's that's how you end up planting a church in, in uh, Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just said, get us out of the Bible Belt, Lord. Send us where you need us. So. Do you feel like you fit outside the Bible Belt much better? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Bridget and I have talked about it. Um, you know, would we ever go back to the Southeast? And she just says, I don't think you'd fit there anymore. Mm. How long so. has it been? Uh, it'll be 16 years this summer. Wow. Yeah. I know you you were in charge of the like orientation that I went to my first month or so when I moved to Phoenix. So I knew you'd yeah. been here longer than me. Yeah, I remember that one too. And I remember thinking, man, this dude's a stud. He's going to kick butt. You hear that, Matt? <laughs> I did. I did. I'm yeah, taking notes. I was just being nice to me because I was terrified and I know that I was. <laughs> yeah, but if you knew the people he was up against, it may not be saying much. So. <laughs> <laughs> No. Yeah. How long had you been here at that point? Um, I think probably that was probably three years in because they didn't have, I think back then it was called basic training and they didn't have that when I first got out here. So I came out here with no church planter training and just a big fat ego. Like I can do this and got my yeah. butt kicked. Did um, you really? Oh yeah. How'd that happen? I want to hear that story. So how, now we have all this training, all this support, support from every angle, church support, NAM support, other planners. You didn't have any of that? No. And first, hey, Matt, hi, I'm Ashley. It's good to meet you, bud. Hey, we've met a couple of times, but yeah. I'm sorry. Well, then, hey, I'm, I apologize for it not clicking with me. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. When we uh, felt the call to come out here to Arizona, um, North Carolina wasn't offering church planter training for like six months. And Arizona had just offered it. So we missed that window. And then for some reason, it was another um, almost two years before Arizona offered it again. So um, I tell people it's like going through basic training after you've been in battle. Um, It's like, oh, the gun faces this way. You know, all right, cool. Yeah, because at that point, the states were in charge of the training more than North American Mission Board. Is that right? Yeah. And Tommy Thomas was leading it back then, doing a great job. Um, And um Either him or Ken Bellflower one asked if I'd be willing to step in and be a facilitator. And I think that was the role I had with you when you were there was just leading a couple of sessions. Um, my favorite session was the gathering one. You know, don't don't stop gathering. You know, once you start gathering as a church, don't stop evangelizing. Because as soon as oh, you yeah. as soon as you stop gathering people, evangelizing and you just focus on the Sunday morning experience, you're you know, you're going to stop growing. So. I heard someone say, never stop planting the church. Ooh. All right. I'm writing that down. I've I've always thought that's a pretty good, it's hard to, and like you said, unless you've already been to war, you may not understand some of these principles. You hear it in a, you know, a basic training or something. You're like, what would that even mean? I'm, I'm trying to plant this church so it will become a thing and I can quit planting. But once you've seen a guy or a church or whatever, sort of quit planting, get established too quickly um 
man, you can see what it does to a church and the momentum leaves and really the mission, the whole purpose for the thing can just dwindle. Yeah. It, it becomes about the Sunday morning experience and, and how, how can I best be served by it? And let's play the songs that I like. And that's, yeah. that's the death sound of a church plant right there. Yeah. I like your uh, setup too. I like how you're off your camera faces off to the side a little bit, dude. I feel you like, like I'm, that? I do. I feel like I'm watching uh, some of these sportscaster dudes, you know, who are not doing a podcast. All right. We're just talking today about Oklahoma and Texas <laughs> leaving early. And what do you think about that smoky? And, you know, just smoky. I love that. I want to be smoky. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you get out here from North Carolina. No one's telling you how to do it. You, are you, are you, were y'all well-funded? I mean, what was the yeah. financial situation like? Yeah, well, we came out of, um, it's Bruce Frank's church now. It's uh, Biltmore. Uh, back then okay. it was James Walker. Um, so they they gave us a good, good send-off, um, you know, good, good first year of support. The second year, we did our budget and said, hey, we're short by this amount. Um, and it was like in the ten to 15,000 range, but to the penny, they wrote a check. Um, and then the third year, it was less, and they said, "Hey, this is our last year of support," but it was still uh, generous. So, um, so, so they supported you for three years. Yeah, um, and if I'd have done a better job as a church planter, um, you know, staying in touch, just all those things you have to learn. Um, you know, who knows where the partnership may be. So, mm. so how did you like, gather your initial people? We just started um, meeting. Well, the, the neighborhood we moved into, we were really blessed that there was tons of families immediately around us with kids um, almost identically the same age as our kids. Like mm. day one, we're moving in and this kid from down the street, I hear him go in and tell some other kid, hey, just go in and get one out of the cooler. They don't mind. You know, and he's grabbing like Gatorades out of my cooler. And, you know, we're poor church planters. They're like a buck a pop. I was like, here, whoa, hang on. Let me get you some water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're email built more. Send more Gatorade. Yeah. But I mean, the very first day we had kids from the neighborhood in our house, and um, you know, uh, we made good relationships with our neighbors. We we just spent time hanging out, and from that, we uh, after building relationships, we they knew why we came out here. They didn't. They weren't sure what a church plant was, um, mm -hmm. but just said, "Hey, we're we're really getting serious about this. We're gonna have a cookout." Uh, if anybody wants to come learn more about it, that's sort of our core team cookout or our interest cookout, rather. And um, five or six families showed up. One guy named Sonny showed up with uh, two tall boys. I was like, all right. Um, <laughs> he, um, he turned out to be a great um, worker, great when I mean, you know, good practical help. He would help haul the trailer. He had a big diesel truck and stuff like that. Uh, wound up getting saved and baptized. Um, I still stay in touch with him. He's moved up to, I think, Kingman, Arizona. But mm. interesting times. Yeah, man. So you did that for how long? Uh, four years. Took us about a year to plant, and then we had the church up and going for three years. And we weren't looking to uh, – we never really got above um, 45 or 50. I mean, 35 some Sundays. Mm -hmm. um, so we were never blowing and going. Um, you know, I, I watched uh, – Matt, um, uh, who's the last guy you did before this? Um, Matt Mueller. Mueller, thank you. I watched Mueller's. I watched uh, Dennis. I was like, man, I don't want to get on here. This is going to be like the cautionary tale. You know, this is like the before <laughs> picture, and they're the after, you know? 
Bro, I'm uh, talking but, to a former president of the Arizona Southern Baptist Convention. <laughs> Which shows you how low they set the bar. Uh, <laughs> well, if I'm not mistaken, Ashley, I was running that year and you beat me. So let's talk about how low that bar was. <laughs> I, I, this, hey, I honestly, Ryan, I didn't know you were running. And when I, I voted for you, I told you that. I honestly I did. I was like, I was like, Brian would have made a much better president than me. <laughs> Actually, I got to be honest. I voted for me, too. <laughs> no, man, you, you did a fantastic job. I was really – you represented all of us well. So tell well, me that you. story. How, that's got to be emotional, you and Bridget, you and the kids, all your dreams and everything. Yeah, how, yeah. How do, you, how do you do that? So um, – 22nd Street had been without a pastor for a couple of years. They were our local church sponsor, what we would call a sending church now. Um, they were our local church sponsor, and um, they'd been without a pastor for a couple of years, and I just offered to interim, to step in and be their interim, because they were losing another staff member. Okay. And um, their associate pastor lives in my neighborhood. We are good friends, um, and you know, we had a good heart to heart one night and I could just tell how broken he was over the state of the church. And I thought, well, maybe I can help out. And they came back and said, would you pray about being the pastor? And I was like, that mm -hmm. wasn't even on my radar, you know? Um, you know, and honestly, if God would have told me, uh, Hey, I'm going to take you from a church in North Carolina where you're the middle school pastor. And on a big Sunday, you know, having 200 kids in middle school, bring you out to Arizona where, you start a church that never really, you know, just sort of <clears throat> along, you know, like Ben Barfield said, what are you going to call it? It said the foundry is like, Hey, if it doesn't work, we'll call it the floundry. I was like, all right, thanks, Ben. <laughs> that sounds just like Ben. <laughs> but, um, you know, if he said, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And then a few years in, I'm going to move you to a church that is about the size or smaller than the middle school you left the middle school mm -hmm. ministry. I don't like, no, thanks. But that's why he doesn't tell us his plans. And so um, Bridget and I prayed through it and we talked with our church plant um, and uh, we just walked through the process and, you know, all the way through it, um, just said, Lord, if this is where you're this is where you are, you know, just keep moving the process forward. We didn't feel a bad feeling about it. We, we felt some pretty good feelings, but it's so hard to know, is this me? Mm -hmm. You know, and so, Lord, we just want it to be you. And um it's been 11 years. It's been a great fit. Um, yeah. That's fantastic. So tell me what you love about being pastor at 22nd street. Um, I love the unity that we have here. Uh, we didn't have it when I got here. Um, there was, there was some division that needed to be dealt with. I was blessed by an interim pastor who sat me down and said, here's the five things you need to deal with. And just mm -hmm. recently we crossed off the last of those five things. My goodness. Um, you know, I kept that list for a long time. You know, it's like, here's things we got to deal with. So, um, who was that interim, actually? Um, Anthony Laird. He's over at Emmanuel, um, where uh, Michael Goodwin is. Um, okay. So, yeah, enough people die and you can cross things off your list easy. So, um, <laughs> remember, we are recording this. <laughs> oh, wait, you said we're starting early. I didn't know we were already recording. <laughs> No, most most people left when I first got here. So yeah, that solved some problems too. But so um, you know, Matt Matt's dad's a pastor, and he kind of understands the stuff that we're talking about here. Um, I would like to learn 
how you were able to get that done. I'm sure Matt, as a young leader, wants to hear that too. I mean, that is, that's like the holy grail of leadership, isn't it? Where you come into a situation, hey, here's some disunity, and take your time and get this done. How do you do that? Well, I think you said it right there was take your time. Um, the guy before me, still a friend, um, he was a former church. He was a church planter who came in and they said, oh, yeah, you know, we we want you to be our pastor. And he pastored like a church plant mm. rather than pastoring an established church. And that's the reason he's not the guy here anymore. Um, mm -hmm. So I just took my time and we took our time. Um, we made change, but we made it slowly and intentionally. Um, we kept people in the loop, um, you know. Nothing was done, you know, behind the scenes or behind people's backs. It was all out there. I mean, transparency and um, and openness. And we fight for that. Um, I tell our team whenever somebody comes on, so we 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 have unity because we've had transparency and we've built trust, and we just fight for that so much because it only takes one mess up and you've lost a whole bunch of it. So, right. um, so yeah, Matt, Matt, and I were just we're read the book you know, with the staff. What's that thing called, Matt? Something about up a creek. No, I forget the title off the top oh, of my head. Canoeing the mountains. I don't know if you heard Canoeing of it. People were yeah. talking about it, but, um, Ooh. and they, there was a line in there that said, trust is earned like a thermostat and <clears throat> lost like a light switch. That's good. Yeah. And of course the thing, the whole thing is trust. Leadership is trust. So that's, I can see what you're saying. You go in transparency, um moving slow not like a church planner that you know just moved into town how long had that church been sitting there when you when you became pastor um it we just recently celebrated 65 years so i think it was coming up on 50 something at that time 55 yeah yeah, yeah. i mean that's a long legacy of ministry in tucson that you're stewarding yeah, some great, great pastors, some, a great season, um, a great start of church planting. I had the um, I, I had the opportunity one summer, my first summer here when we were doing vacation Bible school at night. I was here, so I'm here all day. And you get to that point, like between like, say, four o'clock and six o'clock or three and five, whatever, where it's sort of dead time. And yeah. I just happened to come across a whole bunch of um, notebooks that were our old um, meeting minutes. And so I just started going through those and learning about the history of the church. And in the first 25 years, uh, this church uh, planted six other churches. Some of them are still around. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I think over the 55 or 60, I think we've done like nine or 10. Um, and I just shared that with the church. It's like, we got to get back to this. You know, mm -hmm. we used to be a church planting church. And so that's how authentic, that's how we partnered up with Authentic Life. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, y'all are really connected to them, aren't you? Yeah, still are. Jeff um, uh, comes up here. I see him probably once every other week if we just happen to cross paths in the office. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it seems like they're doing a good job. Very good. Very good. Doing well. They moved to a new location. I think it's going to be really good for them. A lot more exposure. So how was Church Sunday? I'm going to move right to the recent. How was it this this week? Well, we didn't have um, Asbury, Arizona, like I was hoping. But, um, <laughs> yeah, aren't we all, man? I, yeah, I'm not kidding. Noah, you know, Noah's been with us. Noah Battles, our worship leader, been with us about seven months now. And I'm learning, just just learning the little nuances. And I could tell the difference in his prayers. He highlighted the, the revival 
And when he prayed, there was a, a depth and intensity of that prayer. I was like, man, this, this guy's hoping revival breaks out. Come on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So um, I've heard, good. I've heard that that revival has spread to other college campuses. I, I just awesome. saw that today on Twitter. Awesome. I, I hope it keeps spreading, man. I hope it spreads. Well, I hope the flame, the, the flame of revival spreads, man. That's, it would be great to have it come out this far. You know, I did um, think it was especially poignant that we're getting videos from that chapel service at Asbury at the same time that I was on Twitter watching videos from the Grammys where it looked as though it's just open Satan worship. Yeah. And then you got revival falling at this Methodist university in Kentucky, like at the, the, uh, invisible war made visible. It seems like. Amen. Amen. I was, Reading about it Friday morning, you know, because I think you posted something Wednesday or Thursday about it. And I was like, what? So I started reading about Friday morning during my quiet time. And I'm just starting to cry like a little girl, excuse mm -hmm. me, like a little baby. Um, so, yeah, but church was good. Um, we wrapped up a series um, called Say Yes, Acts chapter 16, because it just felt like that whole chapter was about the apostles saying yes to some really rough things. Um, you know, um, saying no to self, saying yes to the Holy Spirit. And we got done and my son drew, he's in college, uh, senior. He says it's his first senior year. So pray for us, uh, his buddy, um, he was talking to his friend, Kevin and Kevin's like, yeah, you know, all through acts, you've been talking about obstacles and suffering. And I've been praying, Lord, you know, I'm open to it. I'm willing, put me in situations. Three months have just been in my life. So could you just move on? and preach something else <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, well i guess you now you, you are that was the close of the series yeah yeah so no it's good um i think the best thing going on right now is we've got a prayer ministry meeting um during the worship time it comes out of our um sunday school classes our connect groups and um different people staff it um you know sign up to fill it so if enough people do it you only have to do it maybe once every two or three months and mm -hmm. during the worship time, we've got a handful of people, three, four, five people um, in this prayer room uh, praying specifically for what's going on. And we started that last, I think, August or September. And we're really starting to see uh, a lot more people coming to church, a lot more gospel conversations, uh, a lot more baptisms. So, man, that's wonderful. Yeah. I heard you. I listened to the sermon and I listened to Noah. He does a good job leading worship for you guys. Um, and I heard you say that. I think at the beginning of the sermon, hey, there's people right now praying for you. Yeah. It reminded me of what they said, you know, Spurgeon had that, people down in the basement praying while the service was going on. Yeah. That was a thing from Biltmore, and oh. um, I've wanted to get it going and just finally said, we just got, you know, let's just do it, and who, who'll sign up? So. so who runs it? Who's in charge of that? Um. I, I passed out the sign-up sheet to the connect groups uh, at the beginning of whenever this two or three month or three or four month sign-up thing is. And I just keep nagging them until they fill it up. And then yeah. I just uh, send uh, those sign-up sheets around as reminders, like, Hey, this is your week. Don't forget. So, yeah. And who, so who is it that goes in there? Who's ever signed up, goes down in there. Are, is yeah. there any training needed or are you just like, you know how to pray, get in there and do it. We give them a prayer guide. Um, you know, uh, front and back prayer guide with bullet points of what to pray for. So we take them through the acts, prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, uh, supplication. So get your heart right first before you 
start praying for other stuff. You get right with God. And then, hey, here's some bullet points of what to pray for that have to do with the worship service, the worship teams, the the people in there, um, the message, the response time, the offering. And then mm -hmm. we give them a copy of the sermon notes, um, just the blanks filled in. So, hey, these are the things you can be praying for and the scriptures you can be praying for. Oh, wow. My wife's done it a couple of times and says it goes well. Um, some people pray out loud with each other's, uh, others pray quietly. You can go in there for the whole hour or you can come in for worship time and then leave when the preaching starts, which is probably what a lot of people would like to do in life anyways. So, <laughs> so you sign up, you go in there and pray. Uh, have you heard back from people besides, besides your wife? Like what's it, what's their experience? Uh, yeah, I think the first couple that did it, um, was an older couple. They said it was wonderful. They just absolutely loved it. Um, so I haven't heard any negative. I think I've checked in with the first few people who did it and they all, they all gave me positive responses. So I stopped checking with people since I didn't get any negatives. The one, the one negative I heard was we had somebody who has been attending our church a long time, but is not a member. Um, and she likes to go and pray. And so she was in the prayer room before anybody else got there. And then when they came in, she just chatted their ear off and the other person didn't get a chance to pray. So I'm like, okay, we need to redo the prayer guide to include a, a first bullet point of this is a time of prayer, you know, yeah. fellowship. my house so will be called a house of prayer. Yeah. You know, okay. So give, give us the update on the building. You guys, it's done. it's done. Yeah. You guys were doing your campaign about the same time we started. I think we finished around the same time. What all got yeah. done. So we completely gutted all of our education space, about 20,000 square feet. We left the walls in place, like the external walls, um, simply because that kept us from having to do a whole bunch of building code stuff. Um, yeah. it, I don't understand it, but okay. And just completely gutted it and redid it to make it more welcoming and more usable. That's the very short uh, version of it. And um, it's, uh, it, it, it's very usable. Um, and, and you just walk in, you just wouldn't even think it was the same place, which is good, you know, considering what we had to go through. That's fantastic. Was that a grind for you personally? I mean, that's a, that's a long slog, isn't it? The fundraising. It was, and the... Yeah, it, it was the, um, uh, it was a good spiritual season, um, you know, because it really got us all to the place of just completely trusting God and letting him stretch us beyond what we thought we could do. You know, most people thought, okay, I can give this much. And then for them to realize, oh, I can do this. And some people even this was really yeah. amazing. Um, the the building part, um, you know, happened right about when COVID kicked in. And so um, there was some good and bad, you know, we weren't meeting in our education space. So mm -hmm. we got to just do it all at once instead of in stages. So um, that saved us a little, but then COVID, you know, jacked the price up a little. So, right. you know. Uh, our associate pastor, Sean Lippert, um, really carried the load. He, he's, that's just who he is. He's an administrator, and he just is just wired differently. Mm -hmm. um, so he and his wife, Gina, really um, carried this project. So did you feel like once it was done, obviously you have the big celebration. I'm not very good at the celebration part. Uh, you know, I, I have a tendency to say, well, then what are we going to do next? You know, but I try to yeah. stop and celebrate. But everybody, all the counsel I got from other pastors and stuff, like you're probably going to feel like a physical or emotional crash after, you know, all the work that went into it, fundraising, talking to people, building all that stuff, and plus COVID. Yeah. Did you experience any of that? 
yeah, I didn't come here to build a building and I've never thought of myself as a builder. You know, I know guys who are. um, And so for a couple of years, that sort of becomes your identity, whether you mean it to or not. Um, But before it was done, we started asking ourselves, okay, what are we going to do? And I think you and I've talked about that. You know, what, what is this it? Is this the end all be all? It's not. So um, there's definitely that feeling of now what? And so what we're looking at is, okay, how can we open this up to the community more? How can we, you know, like we host our our local HOA once a quarter. That's not much, but it's something, you know, yeah. and it gets us connected to them. Um, you know, we, we've done just a couple of things like that, and we're trying to look for more ways to, to open this place up. You know, um, we said, let's make it a lighthouse, you know, um, let's make it a resource, so let's do that. So. How have you, like, taking care of your own self now that that's over? Um, it feels like the end of a long race. How how yeah. do you do that sort of stuff physically? Um, I don't know if you're a workout guy or, like, retreat, take a vacation kind of stuff. Um, yeah, well, I know that was one of your questions was food and fitness. And I was just going to say pass on that one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) no, um, we did take some time away, you know, uh, family time, went up to Colorado, uh, spent a week, um, when my son was up there, uh, me and Bridget and, and Maddie, um, and that was, that was really good. Um, probably still needs some time and I've got a sabbatical coming up this summer, uh, May, June, July. And so I'm prepping for that. And that's going to be a really good time to, uh, to refocus. Um, our, our church for just, just recently approved sabbaticals. And so Sean uh, had been here much longer than I, and I said, if we do these, you get yours first, you know, and, um, and he needed it. Um, cause like I said, he had really worked like he would, he, he would work overtime so that he could be off for a sabbatical. I was like, I think you're missing the point. You know, you're yeah. putting in, six, seven days, you're putting in six days a week, long hours, so you can take time off. You're going to need a sabbatical from your sabbatical prep anyways. So that's one thing that's going to happen. Um, but as far as self-care, you know, I was thinking about the fitness question. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm never going to be the bland chicken, uh, tasteless steel cut oatmeal guy. Um, I like, yeah. I like, food. um, but what I, what I've learned to do is just eat in moderation, you know, mm-hmm. um, went with the church planter today for lunch, went to Jason's deli. And instead of getting the half Turkey, uh, muffaletta, just got the quarter, you know, it's like, all right, I, I know, I know I like it, but I don't have to like a lot of it and I can eat less. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, you know, going on walks or easy hikes, um, it's not as much of a fitness thing as it is a wellness thing. Right. Um, just, I just, Bridget told me, she's like, it's, it's mental health. It's emotional health. And I just 100%. need time to go do that. I'll you go walk the, the dogs. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, we did a sermon one time on just the word fitness. And mm-hmm. if you think about that word, it, it can't exist all by itself. I think people think of the word as something that exists all by itself, but it it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be you fit into or you are fit for something. Mm. And yeah. If if we just think of fitness as well, I gotta be X Y Z. That's not the thing. As uh, pastors, we gotta be fit for the thing that we're doing. That's good. Yeah, man. So, uh, like you're saying, that that's wellness. You know, that's mm-hmm. we've been through a tough season here. Uh, I got a sabbatical coming up, but how do I take care of myself now? Yeah. 
So I don't know Sean. He just he he just did a sabbatical. Yeah. Is he back? So he's uh, Oh yeah, he came he, his was just 8 weeks um and we talked about it afterwards. He said he wished he would have taken 10 or 12. The church will mm-hmm. give you up to 12. Um but he just took eight weeks and it was really just the timing of it. Um, he wanted to get back before Christmas. So middle of October to middle of December. And it was what really good. For um, the first half of it, he just rested, which he really needed. Cause like I said, he got us through the, the whole building process and he was physically and, and, and probably emotionally just burned out and wore out. Mm. So he just rested. And then the second part, he, um, you know, focused on time with God and on, uh, discipleship, you know, he's our pastor of administration and discipleship. And so, uh, as you know, administration can eat up all your time, but mm-hmm. what his heart is, where his heart is, is in discipleship. And so he focused on that and, um, bring, breathing some new life into, um, our small groups and then our, um, disciple making process. So did he, came back. did he stay in town or did he go somewhere? Uh, I think they went, he and Gina went somewhere, um, a little bit, but for the most part, he stayed in town. Yeah. I've heard that yeah. you can sabbatical in town. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I plan to. Oh, do you? Yeah, I plan. I mean, I'm going to probably go. I know one week uh, my youngest daughter, Maddie, is going to be up in Colorado with Navigators. So we'll go up there for a week. Um, she'll be up there all summer. Um, I'm sure I'll go back to Mobile and see my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will probably just be around here. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about moving some stuff from my church office to the house and setting up an office there because I got work to do. I mean, it's, for me, it's going to be a a chance to work on some things here that I just don't have time to do or don't make time to do in the week. You know, I'm going to get to it, you know? Uh, but then it's also a chance just to, to spend some deep time with God. So, yeah. So what is the sabbatical policy? Is there a shorthand version of it? Like certain number of years, certain number of weeks, that kind of thing? Yeah, uh, we looked at several different churches, what they were doing, different policies. And our leadership team said every seventh year, um, full-time staff, uh, full-time pastors get a sabbatical. Okay. So so it'll be after this one, I'll go six years. And then sometime in that seventh year, uh, take another sabbatical. How long you been in the game, Matt? Seven years. Oh shoot! You're <clears throat> but he said he said full time. So I've only been full time since COVID. No, oh, okay. Maybe a little little before COVID. So I don't know if you picked up on what Ashley said about the uh, administrator that carried everybody needed a sabbatical when it was over. And I was thinking about how Josh he got to the end of it and then got another job. So maybe he needed a sabbatical. <laughs> if I had just given me some time off, maybe he wouldn't have quit. <laughs> Is that doer? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Dewar's working for a school system now, basically doing the same thing he was doing here, which is just keeping all the trains running on time. You know, he was fantastic. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, you know, to his credit, I'll I'll tell you what he said. He said, um, I've come to believe he was reading some books about this sort of thing. He goes, I've come to believe that this is becoming a more pastoral position and I'm an administrator entirely. You need a, a guy with a pastor's heart to do this kind of thing. I was like, man, that, I mean, that's really well done. And you got a guy, it sounds like he's, he's a pastoral heart into discipleship. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's probably got about three more years with us. He's retired air force. And so this was his second thing after being a, a pilot. Mm. And, um, he's just amazing. I tell everybody, every, every church needs a Sean. You just can't have ours. 
Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we have a joy. You can't have ours, but every church needs one. There you go. <laughs> you know Joy, right, Ashley? I think so, yeah. Is she your assistant? Uh, well, she, she started off as my assistant. Now she's, okay. like Matt saying, she kind of has her okay. uh, tentacles in everything that we do. <laughs> tentacles. Uh, uh, hopefully she doesn't watch this. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's talk about friends and family. How do you stay connected to people? Uh, both pastoral friends and friends outside the ministry. How does that work for you? Um, so pastoral friends, um, just showing up to places where they're going to be, you know, we get together about twice a month here in Catalina, once for breakfast and once for prayer. And so just showing up, it's so easy not to, it's so easy to get busy and say, oh, I got something else. I'll go next time. Um, and so just physically being present where they're present, um, calling, texting, reaching out to guys, you know, I started doing some stuff with Nam as an ambassador, but even, even before that and outside of that, you know, just reaching out to dudes. Um, hey, how are you? You know, what's going on? How can I pray for you? So I think that's the best way. And it's definitely an area I got to grow in. Um, remember Josh Reich? Did you know him? Sure. Yeah. Josh, when, um, I was talking about coming on staff here, he said, it's different being the pastor of an established church and um, from being a pastor of a church plant. As a church plant, we had tons of friends because um, mm. I was just Ashley. Um, so when you, Josh said, when you become the senior pastor of an established church, you're going to find out how lonely it is. And I thought he was crazy and didn't take long to see how right he was. Wow. Ashley, I'd like to hear more about that. Why do you think that is? How did that work? I mean, it's not like you lost friends, is it? Or is that exactly what happened? No, I mean, I kept all my friends from our neighborhood. You know, we still stay in touch and, um, you know, we, we have those connections. But at an established church, you're the pastor. It's, mm. it, it just, you know, it, and it's probably different at Valley Life because you started that and grew up with all of those people. Mm -hmm. um, but you come into an established church where there's an expectation and, and a mindset. And I remember sitting talking to one person. And they were physically trembling. And I just paused and said, are you nervous because you're talking to the pastor? And she, she said, yes. You oh, know? Wow. And I was like, I'm just, I'm just Ashley who happens to be your pastor. But for some people, that's just not how it is. You know, mm -hmm. we um, may as well be wearing a black coat with a white collar. You know, yeah. they think of us as clerics. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So that, as a young guy in ministry, is that something worth combating? Like, no, that's not what I want this to be like. Yes, absolutely. It's worth combating. And I think, I think it's easier, um, you know, for like the, the, like for Noah on my, on my team, I know he's probably got a lot more, you know, connections with his worship team members and tech team members and uh, the young adults that he uh, leads a small group for. It'll probably be the same for you, you know, people that you run. I mean, it wasn't this way when I was a youth pastor. You know, when I was a youth pastor, I had tons of people on my team that were, you know, small group leaders and we hung out and all this kind of stuff. So, okay. Yeah. So just don't become a pastor, Matt, and you'll be all right. <laughs> Check. Got it. I think Matt has, um, I think he has some deep down desires to be pastor. All right. We'll he's see. never really we'll explicitly see. said that, but I've picked yeah. up on I'm questions that he's asking. I've danced on the line a couple of times. But your dad's a pastor. My dad's a pastor. Actually, I don't know if you come from ministry family, but 
but like you just said, there's a loneliness that comes with it. My dad was a, a worship back then. It's called music minister or minister of music. Yeah. But you know, yeah. So, yeah. Does your wife feel this loneliness as well? Or is it purely a you thing? Uh, sometimes there's been um, like right now, she or not just right now, but since we've been here, she's been involved in our student ministry and she's got a really good friend in student ministry. Um, Jamie, who she spends time with. Uh, matter of fact, there was a women's event Friday night that Bridget didn't want to go to and didn't want me guilting her into going to. But when she found out Jamie wasn't going, she's like, I'm going to go so that Jamie goes because Jamie needs this. And Bridget needed it too, but you know, for sure. Yeah. So not as, not as much. So okay. it is. we're both, we're both also getting a little more introverted as we get older. Like we're, we're very happy just to sit on the couch and read two different books and, and be very fine with that. So, hey, that's know, a good it's, night. It's not, it's, it's not poor pitiful yeah. me. I'm so lonely because I'm not. Yeah. You know, right? Yeah, I've. I, I know I'm in ministry. I haven't been in ministry that long, but that is something that I've definitely learned. Is it's not the quantity of friendships that mm -hmm. you have; it's definitely the quality. So, like, mm -hmm. I've learned that I don't need ten different guys to constantly be texting me. I, I really need Matt Mueller to make sure. Hey, can you check in on me? And that's good. And then my wife. Uh, so it's just, but I've always wondered, am I weird that way? And like, I don't need all of these people. It, it's, it's a constant argument in my head. Yeah. I'll tell you one of, one of the days I remember well and with great fondness was um, leaving a, I think it was a church plan training up at um, uh, Monty's old church, Mountain View, Mountain Ridge. Right. Mountain Ridge. Mountain Ridge. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, I was doing that, that it was a assessment. I was doing the, the, the after lunch, uh, you know, uh, assessment part, self-leadership. And I was leaving and Monty said, Hey man, I want you to know you're, you're a friend of mine. You know, I count you as a friend. And I was like, all right, thanks. And he's like, no, I want you to hear that. And I, it just really caused me to pause. And I thought, you know, that, I don't know if I've told him how, maybe I think I have told him how much that meant to me. Um, because you, you got to have some guys like you and Monty and others who are, you count as friends, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Monty's, a, he's the relational ninja. He's got gifts that not a lot of people have in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Because Mon Monty means that. He said that because mm -hmm. he meant it. And, mm -hmm. and that's just not my way. I can't, I can't get to that level with uh, so many guys the way he can. Uh, my yeah. my way of showing care is telling the truth about something that I think is important to someone that I, you know, I care about you. And that's the way I'm going to show care is I'll say mm -hmm. what I think might be helpful. Yeah. We all have our different terse, gifts. Terse honesty, I think you've called it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, gift, the gift of terseness. <laughs> so uh, we kind of have skipped over into now work. I like to talk about it like finances and work. When I talk with pastors, I like just know what's your work like, you know, what's yeah. a Monday like for you and when do you take a day off and that kind of stuff. Uh, so Fridays are my day off and um, didn't used to be, I used to be Monday through um, Friday and then Sunday and um, I change it to Monday. I just, I just like working Monday through Thursday better or okay. Sunday through Thursday. Uh, and David Johnson even said something about don't take Mondays off because you're coming off of this 
you know, spiritual high, this adrenaline, and then you hit your, your low point physically on Monday. Why do you want that to be your day off? It's like, I've heard that before. My dad would say, he's like, why am I giving, you know, my wife, my worst day, I'm gonna give that one to the staff. I'll give, (laughs) give her a day when I'm feeling good. Uh, So Mondays and Wednesdays are pretty flexible for me. Um, I'm getting into the message, hopefully, uh, on Monday, um, a little bit more. I mean, I've already kind of gotten into it some the week before, but getting into the message, starting to work on some outline stuff. Um, And Wednesdays is pretty flexible for, you know, meetings and different things, getting ready for Wednesday night. We have a prayer time on Wednesdays um, that I just absolutely love. And so, uh, you know, do you lead the prayer time? I do. Um, It all started when Jackie Allen uh, preached at First Southern back in 2017, and he talked about the need to get Wednesday night prayer time back. I was like, all right, you know, I'm just stupid enough to where if somebody says you ought to do this, I'm like, yeah, let's do it, you know, and been doing it since then and just absolutely loving it. Had to take a break during COVID, um, but we're back at it. And we had uh, 21 people in this room that'll hold 22 and two people got saved. yeah, so, that's awesome. And I thought they were already saved the way they were praying, but they came out of a, a Catholic background and they said they were really confused about stuff. And they just been coming trying to learn. And it's like, well, let me explain it. And they were like, that sounds great. We're in. I, I was blown away. There's still people like walking around the prayer time leaving yes. as I'm sharing the gospel, trying to stay focused in and talk over the noise. And uh, it was just one of the greatest moments. So that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, does Tuesdays that take is, a lot of prep to get ready for Wednesday night? Um, usually a couple of hours of um, just coming up with the little handout, looking up some scriptures related to the thing. I usually rely on some other resource. I don't just pull it out of whatever. Um, it's not unusual. Maybe something in my quiet time that week, I'll say, oh, man, this would be great for prayer time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Jeff Mashaw, you know, the 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 Acts prayer. Well, Jeff Mashaw, I do discipleship with him. And he said he added a, a a letter to the front, the letter F for faith to make it facts. He said, you know, you need to start your prayer just from the place of saying, God, I have faith in you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, that is awesome. And so we taught on that. And yeah. so, um, so yeah, so it usually takes a couple of hours, but I'll, I'll usually rely on some other resource um, on prayer, maybe uh, a book on prayer or, you know, one of the great guys like Ian Bounds or somebody like that, or somebody gives me one and say, hey, you need to look this up you know, or look up this resource. I'll, yeah, that's what we're going to use. So, so is there other stuff going on on Wednesday night? You have like kids and youth yeah, and stuff have, going um, on during the prayer time? Yeah. Youth ministry. Yeah. Youth ministry's got their time. Uh, children's ministries got their thing going. Um, and we're, we're about to start some other discipleship stuff. So there may be other classes that get started, but whenever okay. there's not something going on, we'll definitely have prayer. And we might run it concurrently with something that is going on. So, yeah. So that's Wednesday night. Yep. Uh, Tuesdays is is meetings. You know, so Mondays and Wednesdays are flexible. Tuesdays is meetings um, pretty much all day. Staff meeting, um, sermon prep with Noah. That's my favorite. Because we just go through how was last week? What's coming up this week? Um, What's next, next, next week? You know, and Mm -hmm. what's the series about? And he and I just get into the scriptures and share ideas and thoughts and um and we're going through the book of acts so 
you know, we've, we've done in the past, like sermon series for the whole year, like you've posted about, which I love, but going through acts, I'm like, look, we may just go five verses this week. So I don't know where we're going to be in three weeks, you know? Um, So. So is he a preacher too? Um, I haven't heard him preach, but maybe he can. I don't know. I mean, he cares. He cares about it. Sounds like. Yeah. He cares about, um, the, 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 Sunday morning worship time. Um, and I think he's, he got this from Austin Ryan, but it's all about going to God and taking as many people with you as you can. Mm. So do y'all, is there any effort to sync up the songs and the sermons? Like some alignment there. Do y'all do that? If we can, um, I, and I, I recognize that sometimes it's a challenge, but, but he really does try to, um, yeah, I try to give him three or four, phrases or ideas or themes that that next Sunday is going to be about like, Hey, it's going to be about surrender. Mm-hmm. It's going to be about selflessness, um, you know, sacrifice, uh, advancing the gospel. And yeah. so he's like, all right. And he'll, you know, he'll come up with a really good worship set. So. How far out do you guys plan? Is it, you know, you said sometimes it's just a few verses, but like, do you know what's next after acts? Well, we made it 14 chapters through Acts last year, so hopefully by the end of this year, we'll get to 28. Um, even with my sabbatical, I'm trying to pick up the pace. So the goal is to finish Acts by the end of this year. Um, I don't know what's after that, though. Okay. The whole reason for getting into Acts is, okay, we just finished this big project, this big building. Before we, you know, if we're, as we're asking the question, now what? Why don't we go back and look at the early church and say, what did, what did they get right? Where did they stumble? What can we learn from them? And, um, you know, it's all about the Holy Spirit and the gospel. That's yeah. Acts. That's it. I could have made it one series, one sermon. <laughs> sometimes, people ask, sometimes people get on me about, you know, planning so far out. And, um, you know, I know what we're going to be doing a long time from now. But you can always change it. I change it all the time. I'm not beholden to it in any way. Matt knows that. I'll, I'll flip that script in a minute. It's just good to know. <laughs> Yeah, but any Monday it can change. <laughs> How many Mondays does it normally change, Matt? Not too often, to be honest. Not too often. Um, but if it does, it's for typically a pretty good reason. There's, you know, sense kind of something that I'm in on a Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Is it is it this mood or is it this mood? <laughs> <laughs> Brian, have you ever had one so. of those Sundays where you showed up and said, "Hey, I just got a whole new word." from God on the way in here and we're preaching something different. I have, I don't know that I've done that at Valley life, but I have done that. I I have never done that. And I'm terrified of it. Dude. I grew up. My dad is very much, um, I think from what they call the revivalist tradition. So he values a big tent meeting with sawdust on the floor. If you know that kind of language. So he was always on the, like up on the platform, changing his sermon. I just heard from the Lord and I'm going to preach this one, you know, that's really not my style, but I, I that's him. I get that. I like order and predictability, <laughs> right? I'm not kidding you. I Friday and Saturday, I'm, I'm, I'm reading through some stuff about the Asbury revival. And I thought, I don't know what I'm more afraid of that. I would preach on revival and the Holy spirit, doesn't show up or that he does. Mm. I, mm. I didn't exactly have that thought, but I had some similar thoughts. Like I know there's a, 
it would be um, too heavy to call it a spirit of control, but there's a bent towards control and order. Well, I don't know. Jackie Allen told me one time, he's like, Brian, you can structure the church for growth or you can structure it for control. And he was saying, you have structured your church for control. And I had to learn to loosen up. But as I was thinking about Asbury, my thoughts were, who's going to organize this? You know, yeah. who's in charge and like how, who's going to determine when it's over and where it should go. And, that's that's that order control thing coming out again. I'm I'm taking notes while we're talking, dude. This is some good stuff. I tell you what, Jackie Allen's got the he's got the quips. Of course, yeah. he I was going to say he should write a book, but he has he has written that book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let, let's land the plane on my last question: fearing God and following Jesus. Um, okay. I like to do food and fitness, friends and family, finances and work. Fearing God and following Jesus. How did you become a Christian, Ashley? Um, I've been going to church for a couple of years. I was 16 years old, thought I was saved because I was doing all the stuff that saved people did and realized um, it was out of revival, uh, you know, at our church, College Park Baptist Church in Mobile, Alabama, that I was not saved. There had never been a time or place where I had placed my faith in Jesus. Um, so I went home and prayed sat there on the edge of my bed and i something to the effect of i'm not, not even sure what to say right now other than i'm sorry i need jesus i'm ready to live for you um you know please save me you know something yeah. to that effect and then the next night walking down front during the invitation my dad was a you know, music minister at the time him looking at me like what are you doing coming down front and i was like i need to be saved and he he quickly recovered but there was a what do you mean kind of look and there's like oh wait okay you know and so had you been so, baptized yeah. before yeah i i think yeah. i even rededicated my life i when i was six years old i had i i had a, i made a profession of faith but there was no um it was at a vbs at my grandmother's church when my family was not in church and so there was no follow-up no discipleship no understanding of all that and so looking back on that i don't i don't know how genuine that was mm -hmm. um you know I don't know. And so uh, when I was 14, I, I rededicated my life and got rebaptized, but I don't know that I was rededicating anything. So hmm. I look back when I was 16 to say, that's the moment I got saved. You know, when I, you've probably heard this before too. I mean, but when I've talked to guys or gals that tell me the story of when I was five years old, this happened. And then I was eight, this happened. But um, I don't know if I should feel bad about that or how I should feel about it, but I want to become a Christian. Now, my impression of that, I said, I just say, those sound like significant steps in the right direction for you. I doubt God is mad about them. Yeah. But I would encourage you to confess your sins, repent, and believe. Yeah. <laughs> so were you discipled at 16 or like that's a precarious age to begin to follow the Lord, you know, with, yeah. Yeah. at least in America. So what happens next at that point? Not as much as I probably should have, um, but we had a really good college minister, a guy named Phil Wilson, uh, come along, and he had a he had a strong college ministry. Um, really took really took Jesus and uh, evangelism seriously, um, and so he raised up a lot of guys and girls that that felt called, you know, um, not just to salvation, but felt called to be to, into ministry uh, during his time there, and um, got to start uh i think that the biggest growth for me was when phil said hey i need you to teach fifth grade boys sunday school you yeah. know and i was a junior in college maybe a sophomore and i was like okay and that was the big growing moment because now i'm studying the word for somebody else yep. um 
and it made and it really sunk in for me. So, man, that was the good one of the many good things about straight up Sunday school classes. We got third and fourth grade boys over here, fifth and sixth grade girls. Like you had to get in there and teach. And I know yeah. so many people that was their growth catalyst. They were yeah. discipled by the Sunday school board. Yeah. <laughs> or Lifeway <laughs> or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So take us, take us further. How did you get into ministry then? You're from teaching a Sunday school class. to Well, like I said, we had a great college ministry and all great college ministries uh, usually have a lot of, you know, cute little college girls. Um, <laughs> That's where I found and, my cute little college girl. Yeah. There was a, there was a girl there named, um, I'll just say her first name was Scarlett. And okay. I kind of had a crush on her and um, I wanted to ask her out, but I was trying to be real spiritual. So I said, okay, Lord, if you want me to go out with Scarlett, she's going to have to ask me out. And, you know, at that time in Mobile, Alabama, girls just didn't ask guys out. And so a couple of weeks later, when she said, you know, after college group one Wednesday night, she's like, hey, we've never hung out. We should go do something sometime. I just about fell over. We went out and the date was just, I mean, it was the worst time ever. There was no sparks. There was no attraction. I'm just like, what is going on here? And so finally I just told her, um, hey, here's what happened. You know, I was really scared to tell her, you know, I prayed to go out with you. Um, partly because she had felt called into ministry and like felt called to marry a pastor. And I was like, I'm not going to be a pastor. So I don't know why God wants us to go out. And she's like, well, have you ever prayed about your future? And I said, yeah, I told God I'm going to go to college and get this degree and do this. And she's like, that's not how it works. <laughs> and it challenged <laughs> me to pray about my future. And the very next morning I was, you know, having my quiet time. I was in Galatians one where Paul says um, about his call, you know, God set me apart from birth to preach the gospel. To the gentiles and i just closed my bible and was like you got to be kidding me you know um you know i'm praying lord is this what you want for me and i took a couple of weeks of praying through it and wrestling with it but i finally said okay lord i'm yours you know if this is what you want if you're calling me into ministry uh this is what this is what i'll do so man that is beautiful thanks uh so what is your what are your spiritual disciplines like now? I mean, in the in the message that I wrote you, I wrote something like, uh, I'm concerned for men. I yeah. think more men should live like you live. Yeah. Frankly, more men should live the life that we live, fearing God and following Jesus. So yeah. I think we're going to have to put our lives on display a yeah. little bit and let people yeah. see this is the pattern to follow. Follow me as yeah. I follow Christ. So how do you how do you live? Well. It, it's only been within the last, I think, since about 2016. I've always, I've had a quiet time, but it's been off and on. It's been up and down. But in 2016, I really got serious. And it was because um, I started discipling a group of guys. And because I was discipling them, I had to be ready every day. You know, we're showing up together saying, okay, we got, you know, five, six, seven days out of the week. How many did you read? I can't be the one who said, oh, I didn't get to it, you know, or I only read two or I only read three. Um, and so that that was the thing that really flipped the switch for me was discipling others and um, being responsible um, to set that example for them. But I get up at five o'clock um, every morning, um, make the coffee, get my brain awake. Um, and usually by uh, five thirty at the latest, um, I, I do two different devotions right now. One is experiencing God because we went through that last fall, the the new thing of it. Um, loved it. It was amazing. So I've got the little 
uh, daily devotional for experiencing God. And, um, and I, I just absolutely love it. Um, I read through that. I read the scripture, read the devotion, write down my own personal thoughts and prayers and reflections on that. Uh, and then the other thing I, I do is I go through um, the, uh, the day-by-day chronological Bible, uh, read through the Bible in a year. Mm-hmm. Eddie Pearson gave me, um, uh, gave me one of those. It's only like 25 bucks for a paperback version of it. It's, it's pretty thick, you know, it's the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's got George Guthrie's notes in it, um, kind of telling you, hey, here's what today's going to be about. And that really helps keep you on pace because sometimes when you try to read through the Bible, the Bible, you're like, what are we talking about today? And how mm-hmm. does this relate? And he, he gives little summaries and, um, and setups and then even some questions. And so um, this is my third year to do it. Um, I think last year was the first time I made it all the way through the Bible in a year. I've yeah. read the Bible. Okay. I've read the Bible. <laughs> I read um, it. <laughs> but reading it through in a year, I've just always struggled. And I did it. I did it two years ago and I stopped in Acts because um, I just got, I got caught up in that. And I was like, wow, this is good stuff. And so I just, I finished out the year just doing like a chapter a day. Mm-hmm. Um, this last year, um, last year, I made it all the way through. And so I'm back on it this year. And um, it's a great system. Um, I find something new. The hard part for me is having done it once, I want to skim rather yeah. than really, really read. And um, I read something today, you know, where Moses was like, hey, if you if you don't go with us, I'm not going. And I was like, oh, man, I wish that would be my prayer. If you're not yeah. in it, I don't want it, you know. Amen. I think there's a song like that. All right, one last question. I, I like to say that um, what Christians do is prayer Bible church. There's a lot of spiritual disciplines. They can basically be summed up in prayer Bible church. We've talked a lot about church. You just told us about your Bible habit. And uh, I know that you have the prayer meetings that you lead, but like your personal prayer time. You were talking about how you you prayed the prayer. Hey, Lord, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I remembered how the word pray means ask. So what is it? Mm-hmm. What is it that you pray about? Um, I I pray sporadically as things come up. Um, you know, in the moment, um, I I try to pray as I'm driving. I usually get about ten minutes into my drive before I hit the interstate, and that falls apart. Uh, <laughs> but the first ten minutes is pretty easy, and I'll just pray through what I learned that morning and just asking God to do a work in me in that area. Um, if there's something going on with my family, um, mm-hmm. you know, Drew or Maddie or Morgan or Bridget, obviously, you know, I'll be praying for them specifically about that. Um, yeah. So I. Prayer has gone up and down. There's been times where I'm like, OK, Lord, I'm going to I'm going to do like, you know, like some of the guys in the Old Testament did where they prayed several times throughout the day. You know, mm-hmm. so six, nine, twelve, three, six, nine, yeah. you know, every three hours. And that lasts pretty good until the day gets going. And I'm like, oh, crud, you know. Um, So sometimes I'll set alarms to remind me. um, And that works. Um, I'll be honest with you. I don't know that I found my rhythm in a consistent, here's how I pray. I just, when it happens, when I I feel led to pray, that's when I pray right then. Because I know I'll forget to do it later. Yeah. Do you know, you know Noah Oldham, of course. Yeah, yeah. Nam and, and St. Louis. He told me one time that since maybe college or high school, it's a long time ago, he's, he started praying at 7 p.m. Mm. I think it's daily at 7 p.m. 
And I didn't ask him any more questions about it, but I've thought about it. Obviously, I'm still thinking about it now. That's like giving prime time to the Lord. I was thinking of all the stuff that I would be stepping away from to go pray. What a commitment like that is. I'm a I'm a nighttime prayer. I pray the Lord's Prayer at night. I have time in the morning through my I always read the Proverbs. So my rhythm is always Proverbs in the morning. And I pray through prayer requests then and then the stuff that happens up here at work that, you know, we just set aside time to pray and stuff like that. But, yeah, we all have different ways of doing it and stuff. So I appreciate you sharing yours. Yeah. And, well, and it'll probably be different a few months from now, you know. And, right. So, yeah. Thanks for giving us some time, Ashley. Well, like I said, I hope uh, I felt like I was the uh, the before picture and those other dudes are the after. But, we'll, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you're a trip. Hey, take care, my friend. God bless you guys. Later good on. hanging out with you, Matt. Yeah, good hearing your story. Take it easy. See you.